0: Did you catch, I find this interesting, that at first it says Jesus summoned his 12 disciples. And then a few sentences later it says, the names of the 12 apostles are thus, are this. Now, it's interesting because you've heard me say before, a disciple means to learn, a learner. So when I'm learning about our faith, I am a disciple. But the word apostle means to be sent out. So after we are disciples and we learn about our faith, we are being sent out to proclaim it. And so what we have here is interesting because without them, the work of Jesus would never have extended to the whole world. This Protestant belief that no man can be involved in any way, shape, or form in the faith that it's only Jesus goes against the Bible. Jesus uses men. It doesn't mean the church is man-made. And this is the biggest misconception. This action predates the Bible. The men of the church he chose were his first living books before the book of the Bible was ever assembled for 350 more years. The canon of the Bible, as you've heard me say, did not come until the councils of Carthage and Hippo in 393 and 397 A.D. And so this is the apostolic college. This is the magisterium that we Catholics have three legs to our stool, our, our faith stool. They are scripture the magisterium, which we just read about. This is the Catholic College of Bishops and sacred apostolic tradition. You know, those are the same three legs the Jews had. We Catholics have scripture, the magisterium, the teaching authority, and sacred tradition. You know, the Jews had the exact same three. Who do we come from? The Jews. What did the Jews have? They had scripture and the Torah. They had the magisterium in the teaching authority of Moses, and they had sacred apostolic tradition that existed centuries before it was written down in their scriptures. The church is not man-made, but God-made as Jesus passed his authority to the apostles, to the bishops, to the priests of today, to us. That's why sacred apostolic tradition, not man-made tradition, as we are constantly accused, is in the Bible. And St. Paul said this. He said, hold fast to the traditions that I teach you. He did not say only hold a single book. He said, hold fast to the traditions I teach you, both oral and written. This is 2 Thessalonians 2.15. So when you hear somebody, and I get this all the time in the letters in the mail, I don't follow the teachings of men. Hmm. What's your answer? Neither do I. I follow the teachings of God explained to the men Christ entrusted to teach me. Notice the difference? I don't follow the teachings of men. Well, either do I. I follow the teachings of God who gave it to these men entrusted to teach me. These 12 men. Christ gave his authority to the apostles and then gave them the authority to pass it down. Acts of the apostles. It's the same in our world. You remember Socrates? Socrates did what? He passed his authority and entrusted Plato with his teachings. And then what did Plato do with it? He then taught Aristotle and entrusted Aristotle. That's how Greek philosophy, some of the most ingenious men in the history of the world, that's how they did it. What you hear from me, this is 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. Listen to this. What you hear from me, entrust to faithful men. Oh, I'm not walking into that Catholic church. It's man-made. No, it's God-made, but made of men. And here we mean men to mean men and women. Please don't get me into the gender thing. (laughs) And then it says, who will be able to teach others? It's in the Bible. Sola Scriptura which means Bible only, is not in the Bible, but sacred apostolic tradition is. Now, what is Jesus doing here? Do you know that before he picked the apostles, all the Bible uh, scriptures tell us Jesus prayed? Jesus was God. Why did he pray? Yes, he was God, but he didn't simply use his infinite knowledge to pick the apostles. He prayed. Why? Because I'm going to take you back to seminary now. Christology. Now you're about ready to get a little lesson in Christology. Jesus had two intellects and two wills. You and I have a human intellect and a human will. The intellect precedes the will. My mind processes something, and it tells me to act. And then by the choice of the will, I act. That's why the devil can get into your mind and mess up your intellect, but he can't force your will to act. That's up to you. And so Jesus had two intellects and two wills. One human, one divine. He had a human intellect and a divine intellect. He had a human will and a divine will. By virtue of his divine will, he was omnipotent. He knew everything. He was all powerful. And his human will, though, was not omnipotent. He was not all-knowing in in his human will. He was in his divine will, okay? We have to create the difference. So when I say Jesus wasn't all-knowing, I don't mean that he didn't know all things. I meant in his his human intellect. It was like us, but he had two intellects, human and divine. So he did know all things. I probably didn't say that correctly. He faced this task is a man who needed to seek the will of his father that's why jesus always said that god is the great one because he was referring to him in his humanity and so he was seeking the will of god the father relying on the power of the holy spirit that's why jesus prayed and trust me that's why we need to pray too right jesus picked these guys um, as disciples as i said um A student doesn't simply study a subject, all right? A disciple means to learn. You got to follow a teacher. You got to follow a teacher. I don't know if I ever would have got through engineering if I didn't have one calculus teacher, because I struggled with calculus in the very beginning. If somebody would have just told me in the beginning of math, that a derivative is simply a, the tangent to a point on a curve. You map out a curve with a, an equation, like 2x squared minus 3xy plus 1 is a, an equation of a curve. If somebody would just have simply told me a derivative is simply a point on that curve, the line tangent to it, and an integral is simply the area under that curve, my whole life would have changed in engineering. But nobody ever told me that until I got one teacher, Dr. Uyang, Yang, from China. And he taught me the meaning of calculus in real terms. I couldn't get it from studying. I got it from a teacher. And this is who Jesus is. All right, the Greek word apostolos means ambassador. As I said, somebody sent out. It describes someone who represents another so we represent christ when we are sent out do you represent christ when you are sent out when you go out of the house and people see you come out your front door do they say wow there's jesus where do they say oh no that's that crazy neighbor again so we have to look at do we reflect christ the apostles did and this is who Jesus picked. He picked not ordinary, extraordinary people. He picked ordinary people to do extraordinary things, as you hear me say. The first in the list is Simon. He's always listed first. Jesus called him Peter, as we know means rock or stone. But then why was he also called Cephas? In the Bible, he says your name is Cephas. Well, that's just simply the same word, rock or stone in Aramaic. Okay, in the other words, It is Greek, and it means the same in Aramaic, cephas. So Peter is the rock, and don't fall for that one either. You've heard me say this one once, only a couple times. This person tried to trap me on the comments and saying, you Catholics are crazy. Peter was not any pope. The church was not built on Peter, because in the Bible it says petra, which is feminine. When Jesus told Peter he was the rock, or we think he told him that. He would have never used the word Petra because that's feminine, Peter was masculine. So he was not talking about Peter to start the church. Well, you have to really know your scripture and go to seminary with us. Because when you go to seminary, you learn that Jesus didn't speak Greek. Jesus would have never said you are Petra or Petros, the masculine form of rock because Jesus didn't speak Greek to the apostles. He spoke Aramaic, and in that language, there's only one word from rock, kaphale. There's no masculine or feminine. So this is just something that was copied down over the centuries. Jesus didn't speak Greek, so he wouldn't have said Petra. And so many people condemn the Catholic faith in the papacy because of that one line. And so Andrew, after Peter then, was picked. Who is he? He was the brother of Peter, and both of them were fishermen, all right? They came from the town of Bethsaida, but Peter now lived in Capernaum. So they came from Bethsaida, but now Peter lives in Capernaum. Now, where did Jesus live? In Capernaum, and so this is known as well. Now, James and John, they were brothers. They were the sons of Zebedee. They were fishermen, uh, they were partners with Peter and Andrew. So Peter and Andrew were brothers. They were partners with James and John, who were brothers, who were fishermen. They were called the sons of thunder. They had huge tempers. They were very impatient. And so then when we see those things in ourselves, we can say, okay, Lord, if you could work with the apostles, you can work with me. All right, James and John, as I said, that they, were, they were the sons of thunders. Now next came Philip Philip also came from Bethsaida. Before seminary, I didn't realize how many apostles came from Bethsaida. And and so that's when I went to the Holy Land. I'd been there once. I wanted to make sure I saw Bethsaida. So Philip also came from Bethsaida. Who did he bring? He brought his friend Nathaniel. So he brought Nathaniel. Now it's most likely that Bartholomew was another name for Nathaniel. So you might count 13 apostles, even before Judas, and that's because Nathaniel and Bartholomew are probably the same one. Now they came from Cana, or he, I should say. (laughs) He came from Cana. Then there was Matthew, the tax collector. Now, his other name was Levi, all right? And so this is interesting because Jesus changed the names. I'm going to make you a new man. All right. Um, He did the same with Thomas. What was Thomas called? Didymus, which means twin. And then you have James, the son of Elpheus. So this is the second James. We have James and John. He's called James the greater. Then you have James, the son of Elpheus, who's called James the lesser. (laughs) Be kind of interesting to be known as the lesser. But James was humble. He was the um, he was the brother, the younger brother, some people believe, of Matthew. And it said he hated Matthew. Brother will be against brother. Now it doesn't mean you despise or disdain. In this case, it may have. To hate our mother, father, brother, sister means to love less than Jesus. All right, to finish, then there was Simon the zealot. He was called, so we have two Simons, Simon Peter, then we have Simon the Zealot. And he would have been a real enemy of Matthew, because as a zealot, you are to defend the national interests of Israel, and you would have been against any traitor, and tax collectors were considered traitors. So Jesus brought together Matthew and Simon the Zealot, who probably would have killed each other. Jesus can bring any of us together. Muslim, Jew, Christian, he can do that. All right, so then you had Judas, not Judas Iscariot. Here in this reading, it says Thaddeus. So you've ever heard Jude Thaddeus? That's one guy, not the betrayer. So Judas, the son of James, was also known as Thaddeus. So you might hear either one. It confuses people when we say Judas because we think of the betrayer. This is not him. This is Judas, the son of James, known as Thaddeus. And then the last was Judas Iscariot. Okay, um, now, the word Iscariot doesn't mean he came from the town of Iscariot. It means one as the man from Kirioth. So that's where he comes from. Now, this is a place in Judea. Now, here's what's interesting. It is believed, and I learned in seminary, that Judas Iscariot, really known as the man from Kirioth, which was in Judah, or uh, yeah, Judea, was the only one of the 12 apostles that did not come from Galilee. And so he truly was different. And so when he died, who took his place? When Judas took his life? Who took his place? Matthias, it says in Acts of the Apostles, first chapter of Acts, that they selected, the 12 apostles selected his replacement. How do you think we get to our bishops today? Because each of the bishops pick their replacements. The church, the magisterium, God gave this authority. This is not man-made. This is god giving and entrusting his church to men. Again, men being um, everyone, because there are rules for women in the church, but not in the magisterium. Now, do you know with Judas that there was way less scandal than the other 11 apostles? Judas was the only one, if you read the apocryphal gospels, that had no scandal other than his betrayal. All the other apostles had a scandal. Interesting, huh? We read no scandal about Judas until he betrayed our Lord. The others did much worse things before the betrayal. And Jesus still chose Judas, knowing that God would allow his evil, but he would make a greater good out of it. God allows evil sometimes, but he'll always bring a greater good out of it if we let him. So even in the greatest inner circle ever created, the greatest of all, there were problems. No matter how perfect you want things to be, there will always be issues because of our broken human nature. And this is why people, I got more letters yesterday saying the Catholic Church cannot be the true church because of, what some of the priests have done. Absolutely, priests should never, ever, ever do what some have done and they should be removed immediately. But as you've heard me say a thousand times, you don't leave Jesus because of Judas. Yes, there were some priests and there have been and there are in the inner circle that are messed up, wrong, way off base, but we don't leave Jesus because of them. And Jesus is here in the church. So to finish, the men that Jesus chose here had no special qualifications at all. They were not trained theologians. They were not cultured. They were not even high-ranking churchmen. They were not Pharisees. These 12 had faults, but they all had one thing in common They loved Jesus and were not afraid of the truth. And most of all, I was talking to a good friend last night, and we were talking about how to make things better here at the shrine, and he pointed out it comes down to one thing, bringing souls to Christ. That is our mission. That is our mission to bring souls to Christ, no matter who we are. Now, we got a task to get better, to be, live a life of virtue. Of course, we, don't, we can't live in scandal, but the apostles were far from perfect. They were not the most educated, intelligent, sophisticated, cultured, but they had all the heart. They wanted to bring souls to Christ. And when it's all said and done, That's all that's going to matter for us. Did we do the will of God, and did we bring souls to Christ? That's it. So let us learn from the apostles today how to do that.
1: Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses,